Welcome to The Map of You, a podcast about formative media from when we were young. I'm Lucas Brown. As I'm continuing my fortnightly schedule, this week we have a bonus episode featuring Megan Bob, recorded back on the 24th of February, 2018. Along the way, we discuss the origin of a sobriquet, the flowers of the rowdy mermaid, and the ideal iPhone kill distance. A quick note before we get started. I've been in kind of a shitty place this week. I've been dealing with some chronic pain issues, and I've been speaking about it on Twitter a lot more than usual. Usually I kind of keep it to myself. But I've been more open this time, and a lot of you have actually reached out and given me words of comfort and some recommendations and really just helped me normalize the whole thing. So I really appreciate that. We join this conversation already in progress. So I was listening to your episode with Kit, and you said King of Bob, and then also, like, Bob Planet, and I was like, what the hell? Why are you... T-? Oh, and then, oh, that is right. That's a very frequently used name. It is, and it's one of those ones where it's like, if ever I need to default to anything, it's always Bob. That is exactly, pretty much the reason I picked it. See, I figured, like, until I saw your actual surname, and I'll leave it out of the actual mm-hmm. episode, but I presumed your surname was Roberts or Robertson or something, which mm-hmm. immediately meant that, oh, we'll shorten it to, to Bob, so making Bob makes complete sense. It would have, wouldn't it? <laughs> that was a much more reasonable origin story. Instead, you're just like, I'm going to stick an extremely common name after my normal first name, and that will be my sobriquet forever. No, not even that. Like, that would have been also more reasonable. All right, so what happened? Okay, you know, I don't normally... I sometimes tell this story, but I have never told it on mm-hmm. Smash Fiction. Because I did start to, and then Dan was like, no, let the mystery live. So I guess, like, citation at the end of that particular episode, you can go to other sources to find out the secret of this. And boy, are you going to be disappointed at the end. Okay, so first day of high school, I was in a theater class, and my first ever theater class, and I mean, I knew... These are my people. There was another girl named Megan who I actually had gone to school with my entire life. But I went, wait a minute, there's another Megan. If anybody says the name Megan, there's a 50% chance they're talking to me. So then I will have the situation where I turn around and then they go, not you. And I'll just be sad forever. (laughs) I can't let this stand. And then I just said, just call me Bob. And probably much for the same knee-jerk reason that you default to that as the name, I said, all right, fine, Bob it is. I then, very first day of high school, said that to all of my high school instructors. Decided that was going to be your thing. Yeah, and I really, I still have people who that's the only thing they know me as, but then I had other people who knew me as Megan. And so, but they, again, everybody knows 50 Megans. So it became this thing where everybody else invented the name Megan Bob as a way of going, Megan? Which Megan? Megan Bob? Oh, Megan Bob! Got it. As though Bob was the adjective. I was going to say, as if Bob was any less common than Megan. I know! And it's such a weird... And I actually have one of my very good friends is named Bob as well. 
But yeah, that's so everybody else invented Megan Bob and I just adopted it so that that way the people who knew me as Megan, the people who knew me as Bob, there was something in the middle. Yeah, there's something about chosen names like that where, like, for example, I met a guy in like my first job in Australia. I met a guy named Craig who became a friend of mine and he later introduced me to his friend who came to work at the same place as Ted. This is Ted. Hi, Ted. Nice to see you. And then whenever they would send out like the scorecards and stuff, I would never see Ted's name. And I would go and I'd look at me. Oh, who the fuck is William? Is Ted a ghost? Is w- William Hesketh? Who, who is this guy? And, what? and oh, that's Ted. That makes no sense. You can't get Ted from any of that. And the answer was is... similar to you. There were like three Williams, and there was a Will, and there was a Billy, <laughs> and then the third one's like, what were you? Uh, I don't know. You're Ted. You know, Ted's a really, that's also a fine three-letter mm-hmm. name. I love those. Yeah, and it's just one of those ones where, and then it became the fake extension. I think there's something about the fake extension onto actual names. Like, you know, extending Ted to Tedward or Tedwardo. Oh, yes. Oh, that's that's a drug for me. Yeah, or it's like the, the Simpsons example that I always think of is when Homer will casually refer to Lenny as Lenford. Uh-huh. And I just like hear it and I go, oh, that's genius. Isn't it? It's so good. Oh, I love that stuff so much. Yeah, whereas when I was in, well, I suppose what you call middle school, for me, it was just the last stage of elementary school. I was in, oh shit, I thought it was going to be cool and be able to remember the name, but it's just, I blanked on it, I started with an L, a place in Vancouver. And one of the guys there who was considered himself the class cut-up was named Mike, oh. Mike Spina. And at one point, we had a substitute teacher come in. He was kind of mouthing off during attendance. And she turned on him and she's like, all right, fine, who are you? And he threw up his hands and he says, I am Habib. And all of us, again, in grade seven, in the whitest classroom in Western Canada, thought that was very funny. And so, bless her heart, she rolled with it and referred to him as Habib Spina for the rest of the term, knowing that his name was Mike Spina. (laughs) To to the point where it's like he'd be acting up and she's like, are you done, Habib? And he would kind of turn red and sit down. Yeah, you got to be real careful. Yeah. Like, that stuff, it's, it's there. It's there forever. I'm glad I'm confident and happy with the choice I made. Mm-hmm. Could have gone a different way. Although when you talked about people calling out your name and having you turn around and having it not be you, I've got a rare enough name that that hardly ever happens, but when it does, it's a shock. It hurts. And it doesn't matter, I think, how old you get. Mm-hmm. So you're just like, oh, not me. Oh. It's like names have power. And this is the thing where... <laughs> some random mom will be chasing after a kid and speak sharply and go, Lucas! And I'll just go, yeah. And my head will pop up because it's speaking to the lizard part of your brain that learned its rules mm-hmm. in the nursery. But then it's like the opposite of that, which is where, you know, Sue the Dinosaur from the field Yes, I do. The excellent Sue the Dinosaur. On the day that we were in Chicago and about to go to the museum, Sue tweeted, hey, I'll give you a half-off entry if your name is also Sue because then you'll be there and someone will say Sue and we'll both turn and look and it'll be cute. Oh. <laughs> See, but if that's, I feel like only Sue, only if you're talking about an enormous skeleton are you getting that kind of cute level. Mm-hmm. Anything else is just, fits at work. Oof. And talking about coming up with names, like, I've, you know, Bob's my go-to. But when it comes to, like, you know, any kind of animal mount in a game, mm-hmm. no question, it's always going to be named Clyde for a terrible reason. Oh, yes. How, wait, how terrible could it be? You said terrible. It's terrible. The thing is, it's good because it was something that my dad used to talk about and it's like, to Woe Clyde, and you pull up. However, that reference is from a Ray Stevens song called uh, Ahab the Arab, Sheik of the Burning Sands. Oh, it's okay. a horrible right. racist song because that apparently you could do that back in the late 70s. Oh, yeah. Oh, the 70s. Yeah, but it's been burned into my brain so much that anything you're writing on when you want to stop, you say, Woe Clyde. And there is a train station named Clyde 
And as the train slows Aww. down, I look up at the sign and my brain goes, whoa, Clyde. And it's just like, no, maybe it's like, maybe I've freed it. Maybe I'm taking it back. I'm not sure that I am. I, I, you know, I mean, you're not using it in like a horrible context. So I feel like in that sense, mm. yeah, you are a little bit. You're giving it somewhere else to be. <laughs> but I got to ask, when you were taking your call from Mr. Bob, you yeah. talked about the Rowdy Mermaid, specifically the yes, flower I one. I need context. Okay, Rowdy Mermaid is a brand of kombucha. Okay. <laughs> and I'm sure Australia is sufficiently bougie. You probably had kombucha before us. Yes, there are many flavors. You can buy them at the supermarket checkout. Absolutely. Well, Rowdy Mermaid is, uh, they make it in some part of Colorado. And I just really love it because somehow it doesn't have all the added sugar that kind of gives you that weird sugar high in the middle of all the vinegar. Mm-hmm. But... It still tastes really, really good. And so, I don't know, and it's just called Rowdy Mermaid. And also, the idea of anything being called Rowdy Mermaid is so pleasing to me that even if it wasn't as good as it is, I would probably still buy it. It does sound like, you know, the tavern where you'd get your adventure in an RPG. And the sign wouldn't even have letters on it. It would just be like a wooden cutout of a mermaid, maybe like holding a mace or something. And it's like everyone knows. Flipping you the bird. Yeah. Like all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's absolutely that. My friends, uh, Olivia and Terrence, and Olivia's a very crunchy person. She's very healthy and does all the yoga stuff and drinks kombucha and loves it. And she was the first person I ever saw drink kombucha. We were at some place and she's like, I'm drinking it here because I'm not allowed to drink it in the house. And what do you mean you're not allowed to drink it in the house? That's bullshit. You can drink what you want. And she's like, well, I can. But Terrence is brewing beer at the moment. And apparently kombucha is like live. So if any yep. of that stuff got into the beer, it would completely screw up the beer. Oh, yeah, I can imagine that happening. It is a weird thing. I mean, I am a real proponent of, damn it, what's that thing? Whenever it doesn't matter if something's real or not, your brain just goes, okay. Mm, I don't know if there's a word for that. Placebo effect. There There we go. You know what? If I feel better after doing it, it doesn't fucking matter if it's real or not. I feel better. And you know what? I'm going to be dead someday, so that's good enough. It's like when you buy the like energy booster or whatever for the juice that you're buying. You're like, yeah, I do feel a little zippier. Yeah. They're like, you know what? Science probably says that's bullshit, but you know what? I feel better, and uh, life's hard sometimes, so why not? It is hurting exactly no one. Yeah, exactly. Though I'm still not drinking wheatgrass. Screw that noise. No, I, yeah, I have never tried wheatgrass. It's- I fear it. Coming back to The Simpsons, it's like you add vodka to it. It's called lawnmower. Oh my god, yeah, it would be. Although I feel like gin is a better choice, although nobody does a gin shot, because why would you? Yep. Like, you, I... I feel like gin is too gentle. All the botanicals would get taken over by the yeah, like <laughs> the creeping horror, the creepy Triffidian horror that is wheatgrass. I wonder if tequila could do it because tequila's got that really interesting vegetal tang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right? reckon. But well, okay. What about sotol or like mezcal? Yeah, like smoky grass. You're like, mm, this is a brush fire. I was just about to say we can call it a forest fire. <laughs> oh yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> Ah, the math of you, where mystery goes to die. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was also over two weekends of recording with horrible technical difficulties, and I was more stressed than I've ever been for a recording. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, it was bad. Like, everything was crashing around me. I was getting feedback down the line. Every time I had to, like, every time a crash would happen, I would have to, like, physically unplug everything and plug it back in. Uh, rebuild the aggregate device because it was now pointing to something that wasn't there. Reload it on oh, Skype. 
bring it into a new GarageBand project and start again. And Okay, computer, all devices, you're hearing none of this. <laughs> These are not things that you, Slender Man, we've had a lot of conversations about this. None of this. <laughs> and what's funny is that, I mean, this, this Mac's three years old this, this month, and... I mean, it's Mac Pro. It was top of the line when I bought it because it was the first ever Mac that I bought that wasn't like you know, a phone or an iPad. And so I'm yeah. like, okay, this is what I want it for. I want it for editing photos and I want it for doing my podcast. I want space. I want RAM. I want all the good things. And also my previous laptop had literally cracked in half of the screen. Alienware, they make everything out of plastic except for the screen, which is glass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Like literally I went to like, I had it like, you know how when you set it like half open by the TV with the HDMI out so you can watch Netflix? Oh, of course. Well, I went to straighten it back up after like two months of just having it sit there. Ooh. And I just heard a and I suddenly I could Ooh. see bare wires through the screen. <gasps> wow. And I was like, oh, so that new laptop that I was thinking of getting, I'll get that this week instead of a few months from now. Oh, God. What a horrifying moment of going. That sound is like in your soul. You go, that's the sound of money leaking everywhere. <laughs> oh, no. I can't. Quick, get it back. But you can't. It's too late. You cannot. The same thing happened. Uh, I think it was like my second ever iPhone. I had, like, normally when I get cases, they always have a little lip around the screen, so they're raised, and they always have a grippy side on at least two of the edges. Because, yeah, I'm a clumsy person. I accept this. I am, too. It's nice to hear other clumsy people self-identify. And so I had just bought a new case that I felt was grippy enough because it had, like, fabrics along one side. It was one of those ones that had the flip thing over the front. And I thought, okay, that's, that's grippy enough. And what happened is I went to, I was, like, walking across a, a street, and a car ran the light, and so I stopped short. And in stopping short, my forward momentum was transferred to the phone, which then slid out of my hands like levitating, turned over once and fell screen first down directly onto like the one piece of gravel in the middle of the concrete road and shattered. And it's like, it's one of those ones where I was like muttering, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And I picked it up and looked and I was just like, my heart sank because it was a massive spider web. Again, under which you could see circuitry. That's how deep the crack went. Oh my God. I drop things a lot, mm. but mostly my casualties have all been glass water bottles. <laughs> See, I think the iPhone kill distance is about maybe 30 to 45 centimeters, so about a foot to about a foot and a half. Like, I've dropped my iPhone 4 down three flights of steps at Central Station. I was at the top, it slid out of my hand, and it bounced all the way to the bottom. Not a crack, not a chip. Whoa! Because it hit corner to corner to corner to corner all the way down. I've had an iPhone 5 sitting on the edge of my bed where I'd been sitting a moment ago. I straightened a bit of sheet. It flipped over and landed on the floor, which was, again, about maybe 40, 40 centimeters, about 14, 15 inches from the top of the bed, and looked over and it completely smashed. What kind of spiteful technology are these? I don't understand. <laughs> it's just like, no, I hate life. I'm out. You're like, but, but why, though? <laughs> But yes, my three-year-old MacBook Pro has been running very well and has been incredibly stable until two weekends ago, where I just decided, like, I literally got an error message, which was the most, like, cartoonish error message, which said, system overload, the audio engine cannot handle the tracks that you are giving it. And I'm just like, Whoa. really, this is not like one of those ones where it's like, file download complete, and it just starts beeping, like in the movies. Yeah, and that's a movie OS level, yeah. you know, System warning. overload, your audio engine has crashed. And I'm just like, <gasps> but it wasn't just that no. it crashed in GarageBand. When it crashed, it also 
took my mic out of Audacity, and so oh. it switched it to laptop mic because the mic was attached to the aggregate device. And so then my Audacity recording went from recording nicely through this Rode USB microphone to recording off the built-in laptop mic and literally catching the birds outside my window more than me. I can hear your birds outside your window, and they're pretty great birds. I mean, I can't <laughs> hear them right now, but I have heard them, and I was like, wait, does Lucas have birds, or are these just, like, real, just loose wild birds? These are wild birds in Australia. We have, they're actually a pest population, but they're Indian minor birds, and nice. they were, I forget, they were introduced as pets, like, years and years ago. Uh, Australia, yeah. the land of invasive species. I was going to say, that sounds exactly like how that happened. You know, you arrive at the airport. There's a sign saying, ask me about cane toads. Also, I need to check your bag. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> there was one recording recently uh, during the second part of that where there was a cranky baby in the back. Well, actually, not even a cranky baby, a happy baby in the background. Aww, two rooms yeah. away. And those baby shrieks were coming through so much in the microphone that the person on the other end of the recording would stop. And I would just be like, no, no, it's fine. It's only on my side. I can cut it out. Just keep talking if you hear like baby noises or drawers opening or whatever. And uh, she couldn't, because it was just like, Oh, wow. Actually, let me see. I, I <laughs> so This is the joy of being a parent. You have many hilarious videos of your baby shrieking. How many months old is Hero now? He is coming up on eight months. Oh, my God. Is this the one? Let me see. Turn the volume on my phone up. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good screech. That sounds like a like a baby fox or something. Doesn't it? Yeah. That is the most like joyous trilling baby sound. Yeah, he's making a big like watermelon grin as he does it. So it's like, and you can see his two little bottom teeth that have just come out. And so, how's the teething going? Uh, it's fine now. But yeah, for a while, it was just like he is drooling on everything and it's just like trying to chew on everything. And what I learned is that when a baby with one and a half teeth not only gets your finger in his mouth, but will get it where the nail is down and he can get a tooth against your nail, it's a new kind of hurt that you didn't expect your uh, amazing baby to be able to do. Yeah. Human mouths are they're so powerful and always surprises me. Yeah, there was actually a thing in Why the Last Man where they're like, you know, one of the most powerful muscles in the human body is the mandibular muscle, which is so it's like you can apply this much force, get close enough, bite down, and don't let go. So it's like cool. Although on the plus it side, is, it freaks me out. Hero does make this noise as well. Oh my god. I haven't made that noise since I was that age. Yeah, what I was doing in that video was literally taking like a water bottle and like pushing it on his stomach to make him shake. And I'm like, for some oh, reason, that was the yeah. funniest thing to him. And <laughs> that is the joy of like tiny humans is that they're just alive to the wonder of whatever it is. Also, the horror, but you know. Yeah, everything is entirely unfeigned. Yeah. It's great. I think it was Billy Connolly was who said it. It's like a child will be the most honest critic you will ever have. Like, oh if you serve an adult food, that adult will go, mm, you know, I think I think that was missing a little something. Maybe just a touch of extra salt or like a little more time in the oven, but it's fine. It's fine. Whereas a kid will spit it onto your floor and go, no. They are, man, really <laughs> rough on the ego, but like, I feel like good for a sense of honesty. Absolutely. 
So shall we actually get started since we got distracted again? Yeah, let's do it. What is it with Smash Fish and alumni and just like taking me off on tangents? We're like that. I swear Kit and I talked about her actual topic for maybe two sentences and then went off talking about different kinds of predatory birds. Predatory birds are good? They are? <laughs> Fucking muse. Not a falcon shed. <laughs> no! Bird jail! 